y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa and I'm your host. Today I'm chatting with Danny Coleman. Danny has a amazing riches to rags now working back to riches story and all talks about how he had a career ending back injury. He worked for UPS and he now is living out his dream by working with a radio station and hosting his local um, radio show that you can actually tune in. I'll put in the show notes where you can tune in and listen to on Sunday nights and how he's getting to meet people that he'd only dream about meeting. So I really hope that you listen to the story and see what he overcame to be in the place where he was at. He was at his lowest of low, basically almost living in his truck almost being homeless himself, but still caring about the homeless people out in the world. Um, I hope you really enjoy this episode. You know what I need to do right now? That's right. I need you to start listening. to another chat from the blog cabin today i'm joined by danny after being faced with having to reinvent himself after several difficult life events including an unexpected severe back injury he returned to the one constant in his life music so danny before we get into talking about everything that's happened in your life introduce yourself a little bit well first off very cool theme music i like it <laughs> i don't know if they, uh, you can see me i was kind of like dancing away yeah i saw you <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for for having me uh be your guest uh, melissa i greatly appreciate it uh, i am danny coleman i am a uh, radio personality i am an entertainment journalist a musician uh kind of a jack of all trades of of sorts uh master of some <laughs> not all but master of some uh, i'm a former united parcel service driver uh, and uh i used to work for the wall street journal so i've kind of i've kind of been here there and everywhere wow you've covered pretty much every career you could possibly like how did you go from working for the wall street journal to u.s postal service to entertainment journalism to to radio personality because they normally don't go together <laughs> yeah you would think right well i've been a musician since i was 11 and a half years old i began to play the drums at the age of 11 and a half um, out of high school i didn't get accepted to the college that i wanted to go to and that was really the only school i wanted to go to so i began to work. And a friend of mine knew of an opening for uh, the Wall Street Journal. 
in South Brunswick, New Jersey, Dow Jones and Company, and I jumped on it. Spent a year and a half working in the mailroom, and then I moved over into the fledgling computer software manufacturing division. When I started back in 1981, nobody had a computer on their desk, so go figure, right? Mm. So I got in from the ground up of a software manufacturing operation, stayed there for eight years, and left to become a driver for United Parcel Service. And then that is what led to my career-ending back injury after 20 years of of lifting, lowering, walking, pushing, pulling up and down steps in and out of a truck in a in an uh, urban environment, uh, the, the state capital of New Jersey, where I am at, Trenton, uh, or Trenton, as we say, I had uh, woke up one morning and got dressed to go to work, felt a little stiff in my back and then collapsed in my driveway with four herniated discs one of them leaked. I had blood in my spine, uh, numbness and, and neuropathy that I still deal with today. And that had uh, pretty much ended my career as a UPS driver. So after three years of unemployment, I was forced uh, to reinvent myself during this time. And I went back to music. I always had an interest in radio. I went to broadcasting school. A year after I got out of high school while I was working at Dow Jones. And I thought, you know what? Let's give this a shot. So I wound up uh, answering an ad on Craigslist that said radio show hosts slash ideas wanted. It was for a local AM radio station in southern New Jersey. And I went down and pitched the idea of my radio program, Rock One Radio. They bought it. And April 26th of 2009, Rock On Radio was born, and I haven't looked back ever since. Wow. I mean, because honestly, you could have easily have let that back injury define your life and not and just sat down and said, oh, woe is me. So how did you move on from that? Let me tell you, it wasn't easy. My whole life I've worked. I've always worked. I've always held up my end of the bargain, so to speak. Uh, three years of unemployment, and I, I, by my, I had a labor jobs coach that came from the New Jersey Department of Labor, and she told me flat out that I was a victim of ageism. At the time, I was 46 years old when my back gave out, and here I am three years later. I still don't have a job. So it totally... What I did have, I didn't have a job, but what I did have was child support to pay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because <laughs> in between those, those the, before my back gave out, I went to a very, uh, very bitter divorce. Uh, and I had alimony and child support. And the alimony went away when my financial situation changed, but the child support did not. And I had to take care of my kids. So uh, three years in, I lived out of my savings, and it literally took it down to where I was near. I had $17 to my name at one point between all of my accounts. I was set to start cashing in life insurances and stock 
and 401ks and taking the penalty, I literally was down to $17. I actually have a screenshot of it on my phone that I keep. Every time I think things are bad, I look at that screenshot. I'm like, yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's how I wind up going. And, and I had to reinvent myself. Wow. So, so that brought you to the bankruptcy, right? I didn't, I didn't hit bankruptcy, although I was urged by friends and family members and, and counsel, but which kind of surprised me because the very family members uh, who were urging me to uh, file for bankruptcy were the same ones who taught me my work ethic. So I was kind of, <laughs> I was kind of on the fence about that, you know, uh, but I didn't, and I wouldn't, and I I was asked or urged to apply for assistance. Uh, I mean, I was dazed from living in my pickup truck, which thankfully was paid for. But uh, <laughs> so what? I I, I would have had a mobile home, right? I mean, you got to go with what you got to go. Uh, however, I, I persevered, and through the help of some friends who pretty much took me in, allowed me to live rent-free till I got back up on my feet and a couple of lucky breaks. And here I am. So how are you able to maintain that positive? You can just tell you're exuding that positive attitude throughout all this. Cause you're laughing. You're like, at least I would have had a mobile home. Cause a lot of people would have like, wouldn't have thought that, you know, you want to know the truth. Every time I thought, how horrible. I actually had friends tell me, man, if I had your life, I'd either be in, in a rehab center or I would have committed suicide by now. <laughs> and, and I used to laugh and I was like, well, be thankful you don't have my life then. Uh, but I always thought, and, and never once did I not keep the perspective that there are other people who actually have it much worse. Yeah. There are people who are dying of a debilitating disease. There are people who actually are homeless, who actually live on the streets. On my UPS route, I used to take care of the homeless and the and the drug addicts and and you know the ladies of the evening because they were on the streets. I would buy them lunch. I would buy them coffee. I would give them products to, to go to the local YMCA and, and get a shower. Uh, and they took care of me. You know, when I worked for UPS, they took care of me. They let me know everything from where the traffic was backed up and why to uh, actually save my life one day when a couple of kids were sneaking down the side of my truck with a, with a cast iron pipe. So uh, everything kind of, you know, there's perspective to be kept. And, and I always try to do my best to keep that perspective. Wow. You have such a, such an amazing story, you know, just to, because like I said, a lot of people would have looked at this story and, and said, well, the back injury, it's way of God's way of telling me that, you know, he's punished me for something I did, but, but that's not the way that you looked at it as like, this is God's way of saying, okay, you need to re reinvent yourself and you need to, this is okay. You've done this for so long. Now let's go and do something else. You know, kind of like reshift your thinking a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it's, it's funny recently. Uh, I've kind of rediscovered my faith in God uh, a little bit or a lot. Uh, I, I do wind up 
listening more, paying attention to the signs a lot more. Uh, will you find me in church every Sunday? No, no. But you will find me putting my faith in different spots now than I used to. That's for sure. So let's talk about that. Where would you, because I'm honestly organized religion. Sometimes organized religions can be a bad thing because there's more judgment coming from organized religion than anywhere else. If you look at the people inside the church, but where do you look at, where do you find your faith at? <laughs> Believe it or not, the producer of my radio show, uh, Claire, Claire Henwood. She's, she's very, um, very deep in her faith and and one heck of a producer actually who keeps me keeps me on track she really does uh, when I first met her probably about four four years ago now uh, she you know she wasn't thumping a Bible she wasn't but she knew, the purpose of, of God in her life and the purpose of religion in her life. She's not judgmental. And I thought, you know, if I could be a little bit more like her and, and look at things with a different purpose, maybe all this bad stuff that happened to me actually is making, there's rhyme or reason to it. Mm -hmm. And I, I went with that. Uh, I, I do, I will, I will openly admit I do pray every day. I pray for my friends, for my relatives, I, uh, our president, no matter who he may be, <laughs> uh, and and all my musician friends and anybody you know that everybody that in, lives their life to their fullest, essentially. Because no matter, uh, you know, I'm not a I'm not a big subscriber to the when life hands you lemons make lemonade theory. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm more like when life hands you limes, grab the tequila. But I, <laughs> I do know that it's not the end of the world and that I'm not the one that's in charge. That there's, you know, the guy upstairs has got the bigger plan. So I kind of just go with the flow, you know. <laughs> Matter of fact, so on my radio programs, I do not discuss religion or politics. I have no desire to. I'm there to talk about music, musicians, and uh, how it affects their lives and the lives of others. So let's talk about your radio. That's the perfect segue. Let's talk about it. How did it start? Well, once uh, I answered that ad and I pitched my idea, when I was, let me take you back, just a quick backstory. As I said, I began playing drums when I was 11 and a half. For my 12th birthday, my cousin, who recently passed away unexpectedly, uh, she was my music muse, so to speak. She was a few years older than me. She gave me Led Zeppelin four for my 12th birthday. And I'll never forget. She said, if you're going to play the drums, you need to listen to this guy. And I was, as a 12 year old kid, I was blown away. I was listening to whatever, you know, pop and schlop that came on AM radio. And I wasn't really into album oriented rock at that point. My mom Loved Elvis and Creedence Clearwater Revival. My father liked uh, the platters. <laughs> and so I was always around music, but I was the only musician in my immediate household. So when I was 15, I got into a band when I was in high school. 
was just about 14 years old, got into a band when I was in high school. We became very popular very quick. We went into the recording studio. We recorded, and back in those days, it was analog tape, two big reel-to-reel tapes. Uh, back And we recorded three songs because a local FM radio station was having an unsigned heroes contest. So I was standing at a church carnival, and I recall standing there, and by one of the wheels of chance, there was an elevator. And a, a, a girl that I was in high school with came up to me, and she goes, listen. I said, listen to what? She says, listen. I said, to what? She goes, come here. And she drags me by the arm over to the wheel of chance. And there was my band being played on the radio. I literally, from head to toe, got chills. And I remember thinking, wow, that's me. <laughs> so that began my love affair with radio, believe it or not. And at that point, when I got out of high school, before I started working for Dow Jones, I went and applied for, I went after this broadcasting school. I'm sorry, I misspoke. While I was working at Dow Jones, after broadcasting school, I went and applied for some radio jobs, but they were part-time and no benefits. And they didn't pay a lot of money. I was making more money at Dow Jones. I had a car payment. I had things that that some or maybe no 19-year-olds at the time had. But I had bills to pay. And I knew because, again, of my work ethic that you paid your bills and then what you do with your money after that, you save a little, and then you know what? Have at it. Have fun. And uh, when my back gave out, I realized, you know, if I could give other musicians that platform, that same thrill or chills that I got at that church carnival by hearing themselves on the radio or having their friends or family listen while they were live on the radio, I'm going to do it. So that was how the show came about. And thanks to my, my nephew, uh, my ex-wife's nephew, actually, uh, and him and I are still very close to this day. Uh, he's like, Danny, I was only going to do it once a month. He's like, Danny, no, you got to do it at least minimum once a week. He said, that way, it's the only way you're going to build an audience. And he was right. So here I am. This April will be 12 years, and I haven't run out of musicians yet. So, so where do you find the musicians from? You know, the funny thing is the first several months I did the program, you know, I was an unknown entity. Not that I'm that well known now, but I'm an, I was an unknown entity. So I would go to open mics. See, fortunately, the area in which I live is fantastic. I'm an hour train ride from New York City, a 40-minute drive to Center City, Philadelphia, Anywhere within the Jersey Shore except for Cape May in about an hour, an hour and 10 minutes or less. So I started uh, back in 2005 or six. I, I began uh, playing with a, a group of guys who did a lot of gigs in Asbury Park, New Jersey. So I met a lot of people up there. So when I started the radio show, I started going up there for open mics and and shows and I started performing with people. I started uh, asking them to be on my show, or I just started handing out cards. Hey, if you're interested, come see me. 
three months in, I don't have to do that anymore. People are calling me to be on the program. People are emailing me to be on the program. People are sending me text messages. Hey, I met you the other night. Do you have any openings? At one point, I was about nine months out, booked out for the for the show in advance. And that felt really good. The only problem is they're musicians. They tend to forget, or if they get a gig, they're like, oh, I got to cancel. So I cut that down to I really don't book out much more than two or three months in advance now, but so far, so good. So how do you keep it straight? As far as what? Like, how do you keep it straight, the the calendar? How do you keep your calendar straight? Well, I have a, actually, I have a website, which is dcror.com. That's the quick link for Danny Coleman's rockonradio.com. On my phone, I have my Google Calendar synced to the website. Once again, courtesy of my producer, Claire, I have that synced to the website. And every time I get somebody booked, I just go on my phone, punch it in. It goes right up to the website. So I have a pretty good uh, – the, the ones that aren't confirmed yet, where I haven't gotten around to putting in yet, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, they will eventually be there. But right now I'm currently booked through the middle of March. Wow. So – Wow, because I know I have a lot of trouble trying to get people straight with, you know, even with the calendar link. I'm like, whoo, how many people, what, what? Before I could even go in and, like, mark the date, not not fooling it, you know, mark it so that people can't book. People are already booking again. I'm like, whoa, 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 you know, so I can't imagine how you are. So that's why I was asking you, how do you keep it straight? <laughs> well, that's, you know, fortunately, it's only once a week still. When the program started, it was an hour long. And then when I left the AM radio format and went strictly internet, I opened it up to two hours. And it's been two hours probably for the last nine years now, almost 10 years. It's been a two-hour format. And it used to be on at 10 p.m. on a Sunday night. And I moved that also to 7 p.m. So that way it opens it up to a lot more people and or a lot more listeners i should say as opposed to um uh guests because most musicians don't gig on sunday nights mm -hmm. so yeah that's why i pick sunday let alone at 10 o'clock they may have an afternoon benefit or something of that nature but most musicians do not gig on sunday evenings at 10 o'clock that's interesting. We'll be right back with a quick commercial from our sponsors. Schools closing their doors again this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic is devastating for students, parents, and educators. Beyond that, it has disproportionately challenged low-resource school systems, further revealing educational and health inequities among communities. Teachers and parents are searching for tools that will enable schools to reopen but many of these solutions are expensive and time-consuming. To ease the magnitude of challenges faced by high-need school districts, we can provide a simple solution that has a deep impact. I'm Della, the founder of Nestle Space. Nestle provides easy, beautiful, health-centered design 
that adapts to any environment. We design products that are attentive to bodily experience, emotional health, and ergonomics, including our portable touchless handwashing station. Our handwashing stations bring running water anywhere with an outlet accompanied by ergonomic design. Because no plumbing is required, our portable stations can be placed in classrooms, gymnasiums, lobbies, libraries, and beyond. The CDC has identified handwashing as a critical mitigation measure for schools during the pandemic. However, as evidenced by the high number of schools that have reached out to us over the last six months, many schools do not have prolific access to running water in classrooms and in other areas which they need to repurpose as classrooms in order to increase social distancing during the pandemic. We know schools are short on resources, dollars, space, and time. We can help, but we need your help to do so. We'd like to supply our Nestle Kids handwashing stations at no cost to selected public schools in need. Our first goal is to distribute these to 10 school districts. We are asking for your help to simply cover our production and shipping costs. Together, we believe we can help students more safely return to where they thrive most at school. In these crazy times, we thank you for considering this and for your generosity. We believe that by helping support each other, we can make a positive impact in a very hard time. Again, thank you for your support. We hope you and yours stay well. And we're back. We're chatting with Danny. He is a rock on radio host. Danny, I have a couple of questions for you. We were just talking about your Sunday night show. So how many guests do you have per episode? One. one. I focus solely on one guest uh, or band. Every now and then I get a, I'm very fortunate being an entertainment journalist that I get to interview a lot of uh, rock stars that I only dreamed of going to see when I was a kid. Now I'm getting to talk to them. Uh, so Every now and then they'll want to give me a call during the program to promote their new their new album or their book or whatever it is. So I will graciously, you know, give them 10 or 15, 20 minutes to, to call in and talk. That's that I mean, but my in-studio guest gets anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours of their time. So the things I was asking you, are they live in studio? They do they perform their music in studio or do they come with their like tape? Uh, both. They can perform live. They can bring a recorded or MP3s emailed to me of their music. They can do all of that. Uh, or whatever they, it truly, whatever they are most comfortable with. If they're more comfortable performing live, then go ahead, perform everything live. Most of my guests do a mix of uh, live and pre-recorded because some of their stuff's a little more involved and they would rather have it go out over the airwaves the way it came out of a recording studio versus trying to do something scaled down acoustic. Uh, but that, yeah, I should say that all the performances are like uh, what MTV or VH1 used to have a show called Unplugged. Mm -hmm. So there's no electric. I have had full bands come in maybe an electric bass or an electric guitar, but uh, no drums, which kills me because I'm a drummer because the acoustics just aren't, uh, aren't good for it. So. 
Now you just mentioned you had guests that have called in that you never would have you would have dreamed of, you know, being able to talk to. So tell us about some of these guests that you're like your dream guests that you've been able to talk to. <laughs> I've been able to talk to people like uh, and and more than once actually, uh, a gentleman by the name of Martin Barr who was the guitarist for Jethro Tull all the while I was growing up. Uh, Anne and Nancy Wilson, the, the two sisters from the band Heart. Don Felder of the Eagles. Um, the Bouchard brothers from Blue Oyster Cult. Uh, gosh, who else? Steve Hackett, the original guitar player from Genesis. Uh, there were, uh, I've had country artists. I've had uh, uh, pop stars I've spoken with. I've recorded some interviews. I've had I've had people from the age. Of, remember Tiffany, mm -hmm. who did the mall tour, right? Back in the the, the late eighties, mid to late eighties. Tiffany, I, she's called my program. Uh, so it, it's kind of a mishmash. It's it's an array of uh, things, and it's and it never gets old for me. And it's always kind of fun to hear what they're up to. You're probably thinking, wow, you know, how do they get, do you ever ask them how they ever got your name to actually call or do you? Well, yeah. Well, what's uh, actually one of my late, one of my recent one within the last year was Gloria Gaynor. Remember Gloria Gaynor? I Will Survive. Survive. That's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> <laughs> the theme of every drunk girl at a wedding. I know I've been there. <laughs> uh, what had happened was when I first, hurt my back and I was unemployed, it was as if the stars aligned because uh, a gentleman that wrote for our local, well, not local, statewide newspaper, but it was out of Trenton, he quit, quit the paper, stopped writing. So fortunately, I had a friend who worked there who knew my nephew and he spoke to my nephew and said, tell your uncle to give me a call. So I called up. He's like, look, we're looking for this, 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 and this. Can you do it? Well, I've always loved to write. I've always, I've always, since I was in fourth grade, I had a fourth grade teacher tell me, you're going to be a writer one day. <laughs> she was right. So uh, I I called and he's like, I need you to, I'm going to set you up. I need you to write an article about a local band or a band. And I need listings of all the venues and restaurants and places that have entertainment in the area. All right. He goes, give me a sample and we'll go from there. So I had about a week and I, I did an article on a band that was local. And I wrote up all these listings of who's going to be where uh, entertainment, turned it in. Next day, he calls me back. He says, you're hired. So for from 2010, April of 2010 or June of 2010 until April of 2010. 14. Yeah, so almost four years, I did the music column for the Trentonian newspaper. And then they got rid of all freelancers. But during those four years, all the bands that were playing in New York or playing in Philly were looking for coverage in between. Mm. So within a very short period of time, I amassed a huge PR list of, of PR people. You know, the public uh, public relations reps that just 
we're looking. And I've kept that relationship. That and the gentleman, and I have to give him, I have to bow down to a gentleman by the name of Gary Ween. He publishes a magazine called NewJerseyStage.com. Gary says, hey, if you want to put that column from the paper on my site every week, please do. I don't have a look because he's from the Spring Lake, New Jersey area, which is just south of Asbury Park. He said, I don't have a lot of South Jersey coverage. So if you want to do it, it would be great. So in August of 2012 or 2013, I began writing for New Jersey Stage. And it worked out perfect. He's a, he's a, a great editor, a great owner, and uh, I have a great relationship with him. And through him, he literally sent me a spreadsheet I don't know, <laughs> of press contacts. So I get, I must get about a dozen, sometimes two dozen emails a day of people looking for coverage. New music, I get music sent to me. I go to my P.O. box right now, I guarantee you, I got two or three CDs. So that's how I put it all together. So do you have a criteria of what, who gets to be on your show and who doesn't get to be on your show? Or basically it's like, okay, yeah, you can come on. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are they breathing? Yeah, you're in. <laughs> no, I, uh, I don't. Uh, everybody deserves a chance. And fortunately, over 12, it'll be again in April, it'll be 12 years. Fortunately for me, I've only had about four clunkers, four people on the program where when it was done, people were messaging me saying, man, that, that guy wasn't that good. She wasn't that good. Yeah. All right. But you know what? To them and their family and friends, they are that good. So if, if they had a, and I send all my guests a, a file of the show when it's done. So this way they can do whatever they want with it. They can, you know, cut it up, edit it, whatever they want. I send it to them so that they have it as a, a memento, so to speak. A fabulous parting gift. <laughs> so basically they don't have to go through any screening, any questionnaires, anything like that to get on the show. Basically just. No, they just reach out to me and usually they'll send me a link interview. I only have, as I said, I have, I have several rules, no religion, no politics, no foul language. So if you're going to come on my program and think you're going to sing a song and every other word is going to be F or this or that, no, it's not happening. Not happening. So, yeah, that's my personal preference. So basically any type of music, it could be country, it could be rap, it could be heavy metal, it could be... I'm not a big, I'm not a big rap guy. And uh, heavy metal, I, I have had heavy metal, but again, it's lyrical content, which kind of eliminates a lot of rap tunes or, or hip hop. So mm -hmm. uh, not that that matters. I used to, matter of fact, I worked for a company. I would do the rock in and rock out sessions. I would bookend rock on radio with an interview with rap. And yeah, those guys, as predicted, a lot of them were very foul and very rude and their music was the same way. And that's fine. It, it's, you know what, that's their talent. That's their art. Go for it. I, I wouldn't have interviewed them if I didn't want to give them the opportunity. But I don't do it as part of my radio program. Okay. 
So what so, particular music do you actually look for then? I don't look for anything in particular. I mean, I do a lot of singer-songwriters. I do a lot of uh, bands. I've had jazz artists. I've had solo artists. I've had rock bands. I've had hard rock bands. I've had metal bands. I've had, um, not this week, but the following week, I have a thing called, a, they're, like a, they're called the Rock and Roll Chorus, I believe. Uh, where's Claire when I need her? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what they do is, they create the music with their voices instead of guitars and drums and they create the music with their of classic rock songs mm. and it's really really neat to see so i i kind of run the gamut i've had i've had rock and roll i've had rock photographers uh the people who take the great pictures that you see in magazines and online i've had uh authors who have written everything from horror books to uh, rock and roll books. Uh, I really don't d discriminate against anything because the music can be found in everything. It's found in, it's found in a, uh, the, the TV commercials you watch. It's found in the rhythm of a jackhammer of when they're tearing up your street. It's uh, Steve Hackett of Genesis told me one, two albums ago, he said, we were looking for a different sound with a shaker egg. You know, one of those things you kind of... Mm -hmm. He went upstairs to the kitchen in the recording studio and grabbed a salt shaker. Mm. And said, let's try this. And it's a salt shaker on the album. So, you know, you kind of find out all these uh, these weird facts if you're open-minded enough to let people tell you about. Well, I'm going to share with something with you that I haven't shared with my listeners and the viewers is I used to be a music teacher and I taught elementary school kids and we used to walk around the school and take a nature walk. And I made the kids listen to nature to see if they could hear the music in nature and they would have to write down what they heard. So I'm like, see, you can hear the music in nature. You just have to open your ears and listen. So that just reminded me of when you said music can be found in anything that reminded me of that. That's fantastic. That's perfect. It, it really can. Cause it gives music them, can be found everywhere. Mm -hmm, Cause it gets them out of the classroom and interactive and gets them listening and opening up their ears and their eyes to different things out there in the world. So. Right. Yep. So what else do you have coming going on? Because you talked about writing, which was where I was where I was heading next, but you've already talked about it. You, oh, sorry you about that. Anticipated that. <laughs> I was peeking at your notes. <laughs> well, I also do a blues music show. Monday nights, I do that from a local college FM radio station uh, here in New Jersey, Mercer County Community College. I do an hour-long blues music program where I play music from blues legends like Muddy Waters and Jimmy Reed and Sonny Boy Williamson to some of the newer artists like Kenny Payne Shepard or Joe Bonamassa. But I also, again, helping original artists, I do, I have an original artist theme to my program. My show was just on Monday, this past Monday evening, and I uh, featured, out of the 15 songs that I played during the hour, four of them were 
original blues artists, local original blues artists. I get blues music sent to me too from all over the country, actually. Even I even even had one from Israel, a guitar player from Israel. So uh, that's a lot of fun because that show, like Rock on Radio, I have an engineer, a great engineer named Art Ackerman. And Art, a.k.a. Engineer Art, he uh, does a great job at, at keeping my, uh, <laughs> as my program director at the Blue Show says, poisonality in shape, you know, in check. Because uh, I tend to fluctuate. Sorry, I get excited sometimes. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> Art is the one who puts together the file. He edits it, gives it to me to send out to the guests and things like that. Uh, and for me to archive and to share with my affiliates, because I have 10 affiliates. The Blue Show, I create, curate, build the playlist, do the production using Adobe Audition. I record the voice tracks. I actually, until um, COVID struck, would be able to go into studio and put it all together from start to finish, which was really, really neat because I, I built the thing from the ground up. So that that's always a lot of fun. Wow. What's the most interesting piece of music that you've gotten? <laughs> Definitely from the progressive rock genre, so to speak. Uh, because you really have to you really have to have patience to listen to, to a lot of progressive rock. Because it goes Everything kind of meshes together. One leads into another. There's a lot of instrumental passages, if not altogether instrumental. Uh, it, it's a totally different vibe and different genre. And I had, I've had progressive rock artists on my show. Uh, my music director, or used to be my music director, he was still in the pro progressive rock band Nectar. He toured with Renaissance for a while. He's a big prog rock guy. And to get his spin on things and to hear certain things, and as a musician, I've actually gigged with him a few times. And uh, his name was Rich, and Rich Shalanda. And, you know, Richie always had a different perspective on a lot of things. So it was always kind of neat. So when I get these progressive rock CDs, I have to block out some time because – they're usually very long and they usually need two or three listens <laughs> to really appreciate what's going on. So. Wow. I'm just like in awe of the fact that you get, <coughs> excuse me, all these bands to come on and book with you and just, I can't wait to actually, I should have done my little bit of homework and listened to one of your, your um, radio shows and so now I'm interested to go and listen to one of the shows because it sounds like you have some really interesting guests on. I cannot be held responsible for what may happen to your eardrums if you do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a waiver. No, um, I do. I have, uh, I I've done some really neat things. Uh, there was, are you familiar with the band, the smithereens? Mm-mm. The Smithereens uh, were a band from New Jersey. They were one of the big three. You had Springsteen, Bon Jovi, then you had the Smithereens, right? The Smithereens had a lead singer by the name of Pat Denizio. Pat, after 
the smithereens went their separate ways uh, as a full-time entity. Pat started doing a show called Confessions of a Rockstar. He did it in Vegas for a few years, and they came back here, and he started doing it um, twice a week, once up in North Jersey and another time in Asbury Park. I knew the promoter. The promoter gave me Pat's phone number. I called Pat. The station I was with at the time, 40 Foot Hole Studios, we broadcast Pat's show live for eight months, once a week, from the venue in Asbury Park. So that was really, that was really cool. You know, I got to be, I mean, literally sit on stage with this guy who, you know, rubbed elbows with everybody from Madonna to, <laughs> to Bruce Springsteen and so on and so forth. So uh, <clears throat> there are there were lots of things to, to come of this, uh, and I and uh, you know I pinch myself a lot. I mean a lot. Like, <laughs> that, did that really just happen? <laughs> um, I've been invited backstage multiple times from various bands. Uh, I, I've been invited to dressing rooms to to do interviews and hang out and. Uh, I, I was invited to Epic Records last year to hang out with Judas Priest. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of really cool. And, and and I walk out of there sometimes just shaking my head thinking, all right, when am I going to wake up? <laughs> but I just love music and I, and I love the environment. And I, I again, but perspective is everything. So we That's go from there. True. And who knew that that back injury with UPS, that was going to lead you down that path to lead you to your first love music, to the radio and doing what you're doing now, that that had to happen to lead you to where you are right now, to your dream job, basically. Yeah. And, and you know what the beauty of it is with my radio programs, Melissa, is that I'm in charge. The, 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 it rises and falls with me. Uh, I, I'm the, again, I'm dependent on a lot of people. City of Angels Radio is where I broadcast from. Art and Claire, uh, Mercer County Community College, that they could pull the plug on where I broadcast from, but they cannot have jurisdiction over the program. Mm, yep. And that's, you know, creatively, that's pretty cool. Now, I'm not a dictator. I'm not like, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I want. No, but I do ask and willingly take the opinions, especially of, of my engineer and my producer. Uh, because I look at it this way. If, if I can make this program succeed, they will too, and yep. they will benefit from it. So yep. that's that. Yep. Yeah. That is so true. Danny, I want to thank you for coming on. Is there one last thing that you want to share before we hop off? Yeah. Um, Rock on Radio is on Sunday evenings at 7 o'clock Eastern Time, Eastern Standard Time, on coaradio.com. Uh, my website is dcror.com. You can find out everything I do there, from my chili empire to the radio show to my writing and all of that. And, Melissa, thank you so much for having me on. You are letting me spend time with you and your listener. 
You are more than welcome. And guys, we will see you on the next chat from the ball cabin. Bye. Rock on. Wow, guys, I could not even imagine um, doing what he does now. Being able to talk to some of his idols in the music industry and listening to their stories and giving new people that are coming up in the music industry a platform to actually showcase their talents or showcase their books or whatever and all about dealing with music. Danny is an amazing person. I really hope that you really enjoyed listening to this interview. Um, please share, like, and subscribe or leave a rating if you love this interview as much as I loved um, chatting with Danny. Also, um, I thank you so much for being part of the podcast family. And you know what I need you to do with each other right now? Until next time, start chatting.